Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCready, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tent Talk. This is Nancy McCready. Today, I continue our series, The Abiding Mandate, by sharing that there is a process that God walks all of us into if we are willing to respond to his call to us. And that process spoken of in John 12 and in other places says that a part of that process is death to everything that is getting in the way of that production so that you and the Father can live as one and there will be a lot of producing coming out of that oneness. Take a listen for yourself today, share it with others, and I hope that it provokes you deeper into your personal process with Him so that there can be a breaking out of a corporate harvest. Hey everybody, here we are again on Tent Talk, continuing the focus on the abiding mandate. So, let's just hop right in. So, the abiding mandate, remember, this is not a weird way of living, it's not some radical form of living, it's the norm. It's the normal way of living that God always planned for us from before the foundations of the world. And in the garden, Adam and Eve did not choose the tree of life, which was Christ, where the glory of God would have come in them, Christ in you, the hope of glory. But unfortunately, the glory departed. And so Jesus came and restored everything to the Father. And his whole purpose for it, he says in John 17, is Father so that they can live as one with you just as I live as one with you. Because as we shared last time, uh, this is the only way that there is going to be any producing whatsoever. And so this call to oneness with him, this call that we each must incline our ear to really hear in this day and hour, is not a call just, you know, come and be blessed and, you know, see what God can do for you. This call is come unto me all ye who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take on my yoke and learn of me. And, you know, this this is the call, is come to him for the purposes for which you exist. And so it's a very powerful scripture that I want to share with you out of Isaiah 32, because I'm always loving exposing the lie that would say that Jesus is the only one who could live like that. And God knows that we're not perfect. And God knows there was only one perfect man that ever lived. I'm here to blow that lie out of the water. And to say, no, the entire point of Jesus coming was so that what the Father always wanted, what they were always after, is what they're still after. Which is many sons of glory who cover the earth doing mighty exploits because they're an expression of his way of life and they are an extension of his authority that we might be able to say with full confidence, if you've seen me, you've seen my father. So this is along that line, this is the scripture in Isaiah 32 that says out of the Amplified Classic, behold, a king will reign in righteousness and princes will rule with justice. 
And each one of them shall be like a hiding place from the wind and a shelter from the storm, like streams of water in a dry place, like the shade of a great rock in a weary land to those who turn to them. You see, just as Jesus is the king, the king who reigns in righteousness, there are princes, if you will, delegated authorities. There are those who now become representatives and ambassadors of him, that they are just like him so that he, yes, of course, he is the shade for all of our anxiety and all the heat of the day. Of course, he is the water and the bread of life, and he's the rock. But it says that they, each one of them, shall be like a hiding place from the wind. My friends, if Christ is in us and we are in him, we then become as him in the earth for his purposes. So that can people run into you and find him? Can they come to you when that Cat 5 hurricane comes to destroy all of the structures that they have built in their life and they're getting blown away, yet there are bulwarks and stalwarts and there are columns and pillars and posts that do not blow away in the storms because you, my friends, could be someone that people could run into and your whole heart's desire is to lead them to him, not to yourself. People don't need to be dependent on me. Now, when, when people first come to the Lord, they need us to uh, be someone they can lean on and learn from and be encouraged by. And, uh, you know, but in everything, if they're leaning into me for a short time, it's only as I lead them to him. Don't have people leaning on you and you leading them to yourself. Oh, they may lean on us when they are infants, when they are mere babes still on the milk. But if we have really ourselves been led to him, then we will then want to lead everyone to him. And we won't want to um, draw the affections of his people away from him to ourselves. Oh, no, that can't be. So in everything, we must realize that he means for us to be an extension of his presence here And so as people come in touch with us, come in contact with us, if we're granted the honor and the privilege of of having any influence in people's lives, what are you using that influence for? Is it to disciple them towards him? Because, you know, I'm asking this question a lot more and more. You know, someone is discipling nations. Is it us? Is it us, church, whether that be in the United States of America or Poland or Guatemala or England or Norway or wherever it may be, are we the ones discipling nations? You know, because this is what the Father longs to give His Son, is nations. And so this is, um, you know, a part of why Tent Talk exists, is to provoke you deeper in with Him, so that you'll get up and live as who you really are to Him. This abiding mandate is that are we being developed as the new man, allowing real maturity from the life of Christ in us, or are we still trying to self-develop? Are we still trying to have some human maturity? I, I don't want anything to do with that, okay? So I want to be one who's provoking you because you are a hiding place from the wind and a shelter from the storm. You are like streams of water in a dry place. I know it's wild, I know it's wild that those of us formerly stupid idiots who were fools, right? 
I know it's wild, but it does show that this work is from Him, that it is from Holy Spirit completely and totally, because this is what He loves to do. Take former enemies, turn them into sons, and then this is a part of the sweet vengeance of the Lord. Is like, yes, devil, there will be sons who don't just come to me for the blessing. They come because of who I am to them and who they are to me. Let me tell you, this is happening, my friends, under the radar. You know, this is why I don't mind, you know, if nobody knows who I am, okay? (laughs) Because we're just working under the radar, building and discipling. This isn't about a bunch of pomp and circumstance and we've got the latest thing going on and, oh, look at what's happening. No, I tell you what let's do. Just pitch the tent of his presence. Let God work under the radar. And I'm telling you, when we come out from that tent, it's going to be fireworks. And there's going to be maturing sons that are going to come out from under the tent of his presence and the enemy is not going to know what happened because he didn't believe that there would actually be sons just like Jesus who would love the Father as they have been loved by Him, and who would be willing, no matter what, to stay with Him and to love Him. Now, we have to be matured into this, okay? That's not hype and bravado, all right? But I just had to get that off my chest, all right? Is that this is going to happen. And it's not going to be because we, you know, had the slickest social media marketing, although I believe in using all those tools, right, to get the message out. But this is process, my friends, the process that God is doing hidden away in you, in Christ. He's going to do it under the radar. And I believe there are churches of all sizes, whether you be a mini church, a mega church, you're going to be a producing people because God is doing it under the radar. And it's not about, um, you know, cultural Christianity, and it's not about the machine of ministry. It's about the deep process that truly produces producers who are uh, so one with him that they want him to get what he wants. So there has to be a process for this to happen. That's why I want to build a culture of discipleship personally and corporately wherever God is opening up the doors. I'm not looking for pulpits to fill. I'm not looking to, you know, I'm not a professional minister. I'm looking for where those doors are opening by the sovereign relational connections of the Father, where there have been pastors and builders, men and women, who are crying out to God, God, we're ready God, send us help from the sanctuary. God, show us how to move forward. And I'm just one of those people that could become a co-laborer in that. I'm not really, I'm not interested in reproducing guest speakers. I'm I'm, I'm interested in reproducing sons and seeing this real way of life um, really taking hold in local churches all over the world wherever that may be. And I know that that requires process. And so this is a part of where I always remind people, you know, there's the fast fire of God, revival, and when he sweeps in and and all of those powerful things happen. Yes, signs and wonders and, you know, all that's great. But I would suggest to you again that the missing link then is that the slow fire of God, the slow burn of discipleship, 
that is what the early church had and what the now church must have because we're no longer the early church, the blade. We are those who are coming unto full maturity. Why we're crying out, as Hosea 6 says, for the heavy rain, for the maturing rain of his presence is to come, not just in a fleeting way, in a momentary way that then evaporates, but a sustained fire of his presence living within each member of the body of Christ, growing them up so that pastors and leaders and builders and visionaries aren't to spend their time coddling people and and helping them in their cycles of dysfunction, but they can begin to truly do what they were born to do, which is to lead a maturing, um, you know, fragrant <laughs> uh, group of people, you know, because that fragrance is Christ in us coming forth. All right, so this can really happen, my friends. This is not just preaching uh, in the heat of the moment. This is a process born out in the slow fire and burn of discipleship. And I would just say to you that I believe some of the smartest pastors and, <laughs> and um, fivefold ministry gifting people in the world today are hearing this. They long for it, and they're finding those uh, who are ready to come in and co-labor with them not steal the affections and finances of their people, but to pour into the body of Christ that this process can really have a way that can show up and really work to those, it says, who will turn to them. That's what it said in Isaiah 32, verse 2. You can be this to the people if the people so choose to turn to you because discipleship, my friends, is a choice it's a chosen way of life, and it's not signing up to try harder, but to trust more that God himself will be able to do it in us. So a part of this process and the abiding mandate, uh, and this is a course that I'm, I'm teaching these days, um, I've called it everything from producer's school to stay school. That's my favorite, to stay with him, the school of the staying believer, right? And, uh, but just a, you know, just a, a slice of that, you know, process is spoken of throughout, of course, all throughout the scripture, but I love how it progresses from chapters in the book of John, John 12, John 13, John 14, John 15, 16, 17, 18, and beyond. All right. But for the sake of time, all right, we, we look at John 12, where it talks about uh, where Jesus, Jesus speaks and says, you know, if a grain of wheat would but go into the ground. Oh, oh, how he longs to have sons who would go into the ground. Wouldn't that be powerful? Willing to be hidden under the dirt for a season. Why? So that there could be much production. For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymccrady.com or follow her on social media at nbmccrady. You see, we've, we've allowed the enemy oftentimes through our own flesh to get in and to, to pervert and to confuse the processes of how God does it. You know, but it says in John 12, uh, and I don't want to say it says, Jesus Jesus, the grain of wheat that went into the earth, 
right? He says, I assure you most solemnly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just one grain. It never becomes more but lives by itself alone. To me, I hear this this grief within Jesus. It's like, how can you remain alone? You know, a couple of years ago when I was in Poland, visiting all of the churches and pouring the word into them, I, I preached not just a message, but I, I, uh, I was passing on this truth. And, and the core statement that I made was that I am alive, but I refuse to remain alone. As I was challenging them, come on, let's continue to build you know, month by month, you know, this is not just, oh, let me come and just share with you my new word, you know. No, this is a building process, building processes and structures so that there can be a culture of discipleship that is true to the vision given to each pastor and to those leaders and to that particular culture for their particular assignment. It's not some cookie cutter thing, you know, this is God himself. But But anyway, this is what Jesus was saying. He said, yeah, you know, it can be one grain, but it never becomes more, but it lives. I mean, if you just take a seed and you set it on the table, when you come back tomorrow, guess what it is? It's just one seed on a table, and it's good seed, but it's alone. It's like Jesus is like, this cannot be. And he goes on and he says, but if it dies, it produces. Oh, come on now, friends. This is the death that produces many others and yields a rich harvest. Come on, this is what we're after, the Father receiving what he's always wanted. He goes on and says, Anyone who loves his life loses it, but anyone who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. Whoever has no love for, no concern for, no regard for his life here on earth, but despises it, preserves his life forever and ever. Now, I don't have time to get into it, but this is talking about the difference between the self-life and the eternal life that is yours in Christ. That's our life that will live forever and ever. Let's sow to eternal life. So if there are temporal things that must die, you know, we, we look at the seed and we say, now what happens when it goes into the earth? Well, it dies. There is a dying process that brings forth production. What that means is that the seed goes in one way. You go in one way, my friends, maybe as a shy, introverted person, maybe as a self-preferring person, you know, a stammering, stuttering person, all right? But it says, but if it dies in the form that it's in right now, remember, let's say it's a white seed that's got a green bean in it, what dies, my friends, is not the green bean, the white, hard shell around the green bean that keeps it encapsulated, that keeps it trapped, that keeps it small, dies because there's a disintegration process that's going on, a falling apart process. So, hey, today, if you're falling apart today, hey, hang in there, okay? Because I'm telling you, you could be in the processes of your father who is answering the cry of your heart, but maybe there's not been a discipler nearby to tell you what is actually happening. So I want to say to you today, if those aspects that have been trapping you, the real you, keeping you maybe full of desire, but no ability to carry it out. Hey, that's the part that's dying. 
because then the white hard shell disintegrates and dies. Why? So that the green bean inside can emerge. Okay, so I'm talking about you. So the real you can emerge and then get up and produce many others. Because remember, we are the hiding place from the wind and the shelter from the storm. My friends, the harvest is inside of us. God has put a measure over your life. If it's five or 500, let him have his way. Receive the call that he's put upon you. So anyway, you know I could go on and on about this. Okay, so let me just start to wind down here a little bit for today's episode. But I want to read to you from Oswald Chambers' uh, devotion, My Utmost for His Highest, uh, the March 4th entry. It says, It is easier to serve God without a vision, easier to work for God without a call, because then you are not bothered by what God requires. Common sense is your guide, veneered over with Christian sentiment. You will be more prosperous and successful, more leisure-hearted, if you never realize the call of God. But if once you receive a commission from Jesus Christ, the memory of what God wants will always come like a goad. That's a provoking thing, right? This is the provoking process of discipleship. He goes on to say, you will no longer be able to work for him on the common sense basis. What do I really count dear? If I have not been gripped by Jesus Christ... I will count service dear, time given to God dear, my own life dear unto myself. Paul says he counted his life dear only in order that he might fulfill the ministry he had received. He refused to use his energy for any other thing. Acts 20.24 states Paul's almost sublime annoyance at being asked to consider himself. He was absolutely indifferent to any consideration other than that of fulfilling the ministry he had received. Practical work may be a competitor against abandonment to God because practical work is based on this argument. Oh, remember how useful you are or think how much value you would be in that particular type of work. Oswald goes on to say, that attitude does not put Jesus Christ as the guide as to where we should go, but our own judgment as to where we are of most use. Never consider whether you are of use but ever consider that you are not your own, but his. Wow. My friends, the abiding mandate. We are here for him. And every time I say it, I know that the enemy would love to come in through our own self-martyring flesh where we try to martyr ourselves. Please don't do that. My friends, we are going to be so fed by our Father if we abide in Him that the very life of Jesus Christ is what will begin to grow up inside of you. Not human duty and devotion to God. I know I should be working for God. Uh, Keep it. Okay, don't do God any favors, okay? I say that with all the love and respect I can. I'm saying it to you the same way I've had to say it to my own flesh. My friends, God is our Father. Jesus is our King and our brother. Holy Spirit is our partner, our our power. He's our very might and ability. The Godhead has summoned us to live as sons in this hour of history. And let me tell you, no matter what they are asking or requiring, I promise you this, they first required it of themselves. They first did it themselves. It's their way of life. 
they are the greatest servants of all times. I serve because I've been served by him and by his people, by his church. The church is my best friend on the face of the earth. That is why I serve her, because she served me when I was a crazy drunk, eaten up later on with selfish ambition, scamming the body of Christ by using them for my own significance. But now we have repented of these things, my friends, and now we see clearly, much, much more clearly, for the organic, intimate oneness and abiding with him that is going to produce from him and for him what he has always wanted. And if you go and read John 12 through 18, you'll see this progression. Jesus says in John 12, if we would but go into the ground and let him do his way of producing, we're going to bust out of that ground and out of that dirt and we're going to come up producing sons. John 13, he speaks about things. In John 14, he talks about Holy Spirit. John 15, about abiding. John 16, he speaks of the Holy Spirit again. John 17, he cries out to the Father for this oneness as he goes to the cross. And John 18, he gets up from having prayed that prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. He lays the people out on their backsides and he says, no man takes my life from me. I have come for this purpose. And that purpose, my friends, was to win back sons for the Father. So, be encouraged. And then, of course, it just goes on and on. But I was just taking out that slice. And so maybe next time together, I'll talk about how, as producers, my friends, we can bear nothing, nothing on our own, only in our oneness with him. So one of my favorite scriptures that he's promised me is out of Isaiah 54, where he says, Sing, O barren woman. <laughs> Sing, you who have finally realized you can't do anything, but I am about to enlarge you. My friends, he has a way, and it is abiding, because there can be no intimacy or producing without abiding. This deep oneness we were always made to live in deep dependency upon him. He will be the source for everything. And then, my friends, he will get what he's always wanted. You and all those whom he's giving you influence with and the privilege of serving their life. I love you all. I pray that this abiding mandate becomes your very way of life, love, loyalty, and leadership. I love you all. Until next time. Bye. If you'd like information on how to book Nancy McCready for an event or speaking engagement, visit nancymccready.com.